good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Great turnout. Uh, my name is Fatin Al-Tamimi. Uh, I am Palestinian, and I am the, chair, the national chair of Ireland Palestine Solidarity Campaign. We're glad to have you here tonight. Uh, just to tell you briefly about the IPSC, uh, Ireland Palestine Solidarity Campaign, we are an independent organization, non-party political uh, organization. We don't affiliate to any uh, political party, neither in Palestine nor in, uh, 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 in Ireland. We depend on the uh, membership, so uh, please join us. You have the memberships on your uh, feeds. Uh, we all, uh, everybody's welcome to join us for freedom, justice, and equality for the Palestinian people. We do uh, part of our uh, work to raise awareness, of course, uh, for Palestine, what happens uh, on, the, uh, on the daily basis for the Palestinian people, and how to stand uh, and support them. We do lobby uh, politicians uh, in solidarity with the Palestinian people, and help end the uh, uh, illegal uh, apartheid regime uh, upon my people in Palestine. We do uh, fully endorse and support the BDS, Boycott, Divestment and Sanction Movement, or uh, global campaign, uh, which is Boycott, uh, Israel, Divest from Israel, and uh, uh, sanction Israel until it obeys uh, our, the international law uh, respecting the Palestinians' rights for uh, dignity, uh, freedom, and justice for everybody. Uh, the BDS, of course, uh, for Indian occupation, rights of return, full equality for every Palestinian in the, uh, within uh, the historic Palestine and uh, in the siege uh, of Gaza. Um, I am a Palestinian who, uh, my roots are uh, from Palestine, my father from Hebron and my mother from Gaza. I have family still uh, back home in Palestine and uh, living uh, unhuman conditions because of the uh, occupation and the illegal siege uh, on Gaza, which prevent me from seeing my family for so many years. Uh, Dehumanizing the Palestinian people is uh, a thing that Israel uh, do since its uh, creation. Uh, part of what we do is, uh, as well, bring speakers to speak about uh, the first hand uh, from their experience what, what's in Palestine and what's happening there. Uh, as we have our speaker today, uh, Aida uh, Thomas Liman from uh, the, she's a Palestinian from uh, Nasra. Uh, she is a member of the Israeli Knesset to, uh, to speak about the new uh, uh, apartheid uh, Israeli law uh, and um, to f how to fight this uh, uh, apartheid uh, regime and end it uh, for equality, justice, and freedom for everybody in Palestine. Uh, so we, uh, I'll welcome uh, our guest speaker, and then I'll, uh, before the questions and answers, we'll do some uh, announcement, which one of them is very important uh, about Francis Black uh, Bill. It's uh, for the uh, occupation, occupation Territories uh, uh, Bill to um, uh, stop the illegal uh, produce from the illegal settlements coming here to Ireland. 
uh, as we speak now, uh, Francis Black is speaking in Cork to support that, uh, asking people to support that bill. And it's really, really important step. Although we in IP IPSC support the full uh, boycott, divestment, and sanction, but this is an important step uh, forward to the to the justice of Palestinian people. So please lobby your politicians, call them, email them, and ask them uh, to uh, support this uh, uh, this bill coming on the 28th. They're going to be uh, discussing it in the uh, Senate. So uh, welcome our speaker, Aida Toma, and then uh, we'll come back to you later. Then thank you very much. Well, uh, good evening. Uh, thank you, Fatim. Thank you very much. Uh, it's it's moving. It's it's uh, very um, moving for me uh, to be in a crowd that is uh, a combination of Palestinians and Irish people. I think it's uh, it's the normal combination that uh, usually happen with people who know how to struggle for their rights, who are still leading a struggle for uh, full rights. And I'm honored, uh, actually, to be a speaker in an event organized by the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Thank you for hosting this. Uh, this afternoon, I met some of your uh, parliamentarians. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, I also uh, met uh, Ms. MP uh, uh, Black, and I heard about her initiative. And I'm uh, fully uh, honored also here to say that uh, this call to support her uh, bill uh, is an important call, and I wish that it will find uh, good hearts in this audience uh, in this crowd and outside there. Uh, usually we tend to say back home that we don't have a moment of quietness and that uh, usually developments are happening or um, uh, deterioration is happening almost every moment. Uh, this uh, time when I was doing my uh, way through the flight from Istanbul to uh, this meeting, um, I landed here in Dublin and I heard that the Minister of War, uh, and he earned that, believe me, that is called Minister of War, Mr. Lieberman, uh, has resigned, which means that this government is, uh, is, uh, uh, is going uh, home, uh, is, uh, is uh, not going to continue the Israeli uh, government uh, led by Mr. Netanyahu, maximum I think it's going to be one week, two weeks, and actually I might land on Monday right uh, to the Knesset where we have to vote on that, so wish me luck. Uh, as I said, when I uh, was coming uh, uh, here, I was thinking um, the uh, apartheid uh, law that was legislated only a few months ago on the 19th of July is supposed to be the thing I should be talking about. And yet, when I left the country, we were still uh, feeling that the war is going to happen any moment, and Gaza was attacked, and uh, of course, 
uh, we saw the escalation happening one moment after another and we were afraid that we are going to uh, go through another weeks or days of uh, uh, bad situation of bombing Gaza, of uh, suffering from uh, both sides, the ordinary people, mainly the Palestinian people in Gaza, and also some of the Israelis who live near the border because of the stupidity and the racism and the colonialist approach made by uh, this right-wing uh, Netanyahu's government. So the deterioration happens every day, and I was thinking, should I really be focusing on the uh, a, a Jewish nation state law, the apartheid law, or should we be talking about the situation in general? And then it hit me again, although I've been speaking about this for months now, that, there, that we cannot separate the two questions. We cannot talk about one without talking about the other. There is no way to talk about a possibility for a new war without remembering that the infrastructure for an apartheid colonial situation is laid out there in this law, the uh, Jewish nation state law. And uh, believe me, I would like to call it from now on in my speech the apartheid law and not the Jewish nation state law because I think it was given that name in order to create an illusion uh, for uh, people who are looking from outside and to make it look like uh, a law that is created to define the state of Israel as they like to say that this law is an internal issue of the Israeli uh, uh, citizens and the Israeli government who want to define the state of Israel. You know, a state after 70 years of creation is still defining itself. This law is a basic law. Basic law meaning in Israel, the other way to say it is a constitutional law because there is no constitution for Israel even after 70 years of Creation. The main problem that they do not want to address and they are not writing a constitution for is the border issue. Uh, we've been talking about this many years. The Israeli government did not want to define the borders because that means uh, uh, defining the borders is recognizing the fact again and again and again that Israel is still continuing occupation over the Palestinian territories, and it is the last almost occupation that is still existing in such a brutal way in our uh, world. So it's a constitutional law, and it is supposed to define the state of Israel without the borders. It starts with the two words of the land of Israel. A civil law that is coming to define a state is using a biblical and a term, uh, terminology, and using a terminology that all of us know that it is uh, uh, um, not very much clear because when you say the land of Israel, you or not you, when they say the land of Israel, they mean from the sea to the river, and uh, nobody knows which river it is that it is talking about. Some say the Jordanian River, and some go further and continue until they reach Iraq. But for sure, land of Israel is containing also parts of Syria, parts of Jordan, 
And when you use this terminology and open a law that is supposed to be civil with this two words, I think it reveals from the beginning the political will of the government that led this uh, uh, law. It is a law that is creating on paper, printing it in the book of laws, uh, laws book in Israel, that it is going to continue to be a colonial and an apartheid state. Some people will tell me, so what's new? This was the reality till now. Why you are making a big issue out of creating such a law? In my opinion, that's true. Nobody can describe the discrimination. Nobody can describe the racism. Nobody can describe, or maybe the occupation. I have my own people, the Palestinian people, who can describe it better than I am, even if I'm living there. But nobody can describe racism and discrimination and the reality we are living. Palestinians, citizens of Israel, 20% of the citizens of Israel, the way I can do it to you. And I know very well all the laws that not only discriminated, but deprived us of our rights, and not only our rights, but an equal citizenship inside Israel, like I do. So what's new? The new thing is that the Israeli government is saying, and those who supported, and it was mainly the government, the coalition who supported this uh, law, is saying very clearly, this is who we are, this is our identity, and that's how we want not only Israel, but the region look like. And why I'm saying also the region? Because this law is not an internal issue. This law is created also to liquidate the Palestinian right for self-determination and want to stop any hope or any efforts to create the Palestinian state alongside Israel. It is a declaration from the Israeli side that the dream of or the solution of two states is ending now. Why I'm saying this? Because by reading the book, you can understand that it is even written in the uh, uh, law. And beside that, taking the political context that this law is created in, you can understand fully that this, these are the purposes of this law. The law says very clearly that it is the state of Israel is the state of all the Jewish people all over the world. So, and, and the state of Israel will be responsible for the security and for helping all the Jews all over the world. So the Israeli government, Netanyahu's government, is taking responsibility also for the lives of citizens of other states when it's saying, because Jews are living as citizens all over the world. And taking responsibility and taking authority over citizens of other countries, I think this is not acceptable in the international law. It's not acceptable in the world in, in general. But it is also, by these words, ignoring the fact that there are 20% of the citizens of Israel us, the Palestinians, 
are not mentioned at all in that law. We are absentees. We do not exist by this law. The law don't even say that this is the state of the Jewish people and some minorities. Even that it is not mentioned. We are not existing as if inside Israel. Nothing is mentioned there to uh, clarify that there is a national minority, a group of Palestinians that is living there. We are deprived of the basic thing that usually any constitution in the world by the international law should have, which are two words that are very important, equality and democracy. There were debates in the Knesset trying to convince the coalition, the governmental coalition, that they should add the word equality, and of course they insisted not to add it, saying that it is existing in other laws. Well, equality exists in laws that are concerning employment or gender equality, and not even all the gender uh, issues have equality in them because they want to keep the balance between the religious forces and the secular forces. But none of the basic laws in Israel, which is com together combined, will be the constitution, mention equality. So forget about equality and forget about democracy. Finally, now it's open there. Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, as if, is denying the fact of existing democracy. I think it is not by chance that it is said, because Netanyahu, after he was re-elected in 2015, understood very clearly that he has the perfect timing of controlling, finally, the deep state keys and to implement his vision his political and ideological vision of what Israel should be like. This can be, you can see it through all the legislations that happened in the last three years in Israel. You can see it through uh, the attack on the judiciary system uh, uh, the, and the Supreme Court in Israel. You can see it through the attack on the media and, of course, First, and before everything, the attack and the incitement against the Palestinians inside Israel, the Palestinian citizens of Israel, and the leadership of that community. This incitement is happening every day, and it is led by Mr. Netanyahu himself. You can see it uh, in the different speeches that he delivered in the Knesset from the podium, starting from the day of the election when he said to the people, come and rescue the uh, rule of the right wing because the Arabs are coming to vote. On, uh, and of course, everybody looked at it as a very racist uh, sentence or call to be said, and it is racist. But it is also what was uh, not very much paid attention to that it is delegitimizing the fact of being only citizens using their right to come and to vote and to influence. 
It is delegitimizing any political efforts made by the Palestinian citizens of Israel to influence on the reality there. So when, there, when we were speaking for many years that there is a huge contradiction built in in the definition of Jewish state and democratic, Nobody wanted to listen to this and thought that we are only fighting the idea of being a Jewish state. But eventually, when Netanyahu had to decide and to choose, when the contradiction was very clear, Netanyahu chose Jewish state, a nation state, as he liked to say, and neglected democracy. And it is now very clear Forget about democracy. There is no democracy. We are establishing officially a new kind of a regime where people are classified, where citizens are going through a classification and citizens and inhabitants inside Israel are being rated in three levels. The first superior level is being a Jew all over the world and being citizen of a Jewish Israeli. You are in the best situation. You will have all the rights and you will be the uh, citizen that is taken care of by the state. The second level will be the Palestinian citizens of Israel because we are not only treated as less equal, but now officially, by law, we are less equal. The third level will be the Jerusalemite people and the Golan Syrian people who are living under occupation till now, but the nation state law says very clearly that they will continue to be annexed to Israel and will be under the control of Israel, in contradiction, very clear contradiction were not only with the international law, but also with all the international resolutions that were made about occupation of the Golan and occupation of East Jerusalem. The Israeli current government, led by Mr. Netanyahu, is saying very clearly, we don't care. We are violating the international law, and let's see what the international community is going to do about it. And for my regret, the international community is not doing very much these days. And is letting this situation to deteriorate one day after another. I'm saying it is a colonial law because it is, as I mentioned, continuing. Sorry. It makes you lose some of your ability to speak when you <laughs> describe the situation. Um, The law says, and we are saying that it is a colonial law because, not only because it's uh, uh, deciding that the annexation of Jerusalem and the Golan will continue to exist, and that they are 
considering it part of Israel, but because it has a very clear article saying that the right of self-determination in Israel is solely for the Jewish people. Now, someone will tell me, well, what do you expect? We are talking about in Israel. Taking into consideration and remembering that there is no borders for Israel, and remembering that the law started with the land of Israel, you then will understand that it is a denial and a rejection of and violating of the right of self-determination for the Palestinian people. It is more than emphasizing the right of self-determination of the Jews in Israel or, as they would like to say, the Jews all over the world, it is more a rejection and denial of the right of self-determination of the Palestinian people, which means the end of the hope to create a Palestinian state. Because when we are talking about the right of self-determination, as much as I understand it, and as much as it is determined by the Palestinian people till today, it is the creation of the Palestinian state, independent Palestinian state with East Jerusalem, its capital, alongside um, on the borders of 1967. This is the Palestinian national project that is still, till today, adopted by the Palestinian people. So this is the implementation of the right of self-determination. When you deny the right of self-determination, you are denying and you are rejecting the idea of creating a Palestinian state. That's how this law should be read. That's how this law should be understood, especially when you read Article 7 that says very clearly in that law that development and creation and enlargement of Jewish settlements in Israel, again, is a high national value. And they used the word settlements. They did not use villages and towns. They did not use localities. And of course, some people will tell us, you know, in the seven, last 70 years since the creation of the State of Israel, since in Nakba, there were more than 700 new localities built in Israel. None of them is for the Palestinian citizens of Israel. It's all for the Jewish people inside Israel. So what's new about this law? What is, what is new about this law that even if you thought and we thought that we could challenge the reality, depending on the values of equality and democracy and being citizens and contest it and go to the Supreme Court and say we want to create a new locality for the Arab Palestinians or we dare to think that we can buy houses in those in new uh, localities, it's ending now. Because if you could judge the reality by the value of equality, as if that this is the base, now it is not there. And you have to understand that the new reality, the new legal uh, reality, is discrimination and racism. This is the new reality.
that is created by this law. So the article is very clear. They are using settlements that it is known all over the world that it might include also, and I don't like to say illegal settlements because there is no legal settlements at all. Let's stop using the word illegal settlements. Settlements, when they are on occupied territories, they are illegal. There is no legal settlements and illegal settlements. There's only settlements, and there's only settlers. And that's how they should be treated, and that's how the international law say. And if there is a base that we all should obey, it is the international law and the human values that are agreed upon in the international arena. So that's by reading the law itself. And of course, people will uh, uh, debate and will say this was meant and this was not meant and you are exaggerating in your analysis. We are not reading a textbook that is disconnected from the reality. This law was created in a political context. And in order to understand what the legislator meant when they legislated this law, you have to understand the political reality of the era, of the timing when this law was created. This law was created two months after moving the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was said by Trump himself, Jerusalem is off the table after he moved the embassy. He moved the embassy and recognized Jerusalem. And of course, when he says Jerusalem, he means Jerusalem in the Israeli mind, the unified as if Jerusalem. There is no unified Jerusalem. There's an occupied Jerusalem annexed to uh, West Jerusalem or the Israeli Jerusalem that was created. So when they moved the embassy, connecting that to the fact that immediately after he got as if which table he was talking when he said, Jerusalem is off the table. It's the table of negotiating, negotiation that uh, is not existing. The negotiation table had five issues remaining to be negotiated upon, which were and were delayed when Oslo agreements were signed. Jerusalem, refugees, security, settlements, and water issues. These were remained to the end where they can negotiate or not negotiate about later. So he took off Jerusalem, off the table. And then the second attack was immediately after that on what? On Onarwa. Why on Onarwa? Because it is uh, uh, a bad managed organ of the United Nations? No, of course not. States don't do that only for those reasons. It is an issue of attacking the second issue that was still remaining to be negotiated, the refugees. And later on, the United States of America, led by Mr. Trump, 
said it very clearly, why we, we want to redefine who is the refugee. Who is a refugee? Is it all the generations coming after in the last 70 years, or it is only the generations that were deported from their uh, uh, homeland in 1948 or in 1967? And this is only the only refugees they want to recognize. Taking into consideration that in 70 years, that generation is almost not with us anymore. They think that this is the way to take off the table again the refugee issue. And of course, settlements, who need to take care of that? Netanyahu's government is taking good care of it, is creating more and more and more settlements, and actually is cutting the whole Palestinian land into small islands of Palestinian villages disconnected from each other. And all of us know that through those two, two deteriorations or escalations that happened in moving the embassy and the attack on UNRWA, there was going another attack that is still going on on the village of Khan al-Ahmar that need to be demolished and evacuated. And whoever know the Palestinian map understand that evacuating Khan al-Ahmar and controlling it and enlarging the settlements around it is first of all disconnecting and putting a belt of settlements around Jerusalem. Disconnecting Jerusalem from the Palestinian body, from the Palestinian land, from the Palestinian occupied territories. And isolating it geographically. And on the other hand, is cutting the Palestinian West Bank to north of West Bank and south of West Bank with a belt of settlements controlled by the Israeli occupation in the middle. Connecting to what's happening in Gaza, that will create three different islands, Palestinian islands, not connected geographically, ending the dream of creating a Palestinian state. In order to be able to control people, and in order to be understanding from the beginning that controlling and annexing that land is not going to bring into a situation where Demographically, the Palestinians are equal to the Jewish Israelis. You have to have a law that says, even if you are under the Israeli control, you are not an equal citizen. And despite all of that, the state of Israel is going to continue to be Jewish and even not democratic. So what? This is very clear plan to create a one-state solution, a one-apartheid state on the ground, while the whole world is looking and saying to us, while I'm going from one place to another, this is an internal issue. This is not an internal issue. The struggle of the Palestinian people for liberation of occupation 
is not an internal issue. It is an issue of the international community. It is an issue of respecting the values and the morals and the laws created by the whole humanity. And the way that the international community stood up and defended the right of the South Africans to be liberated from the apartheid regime, it's about time for the international community to remember those days and to stand up and to say that neither us as citizens of that state want to live in an apartheid regime, nor the Palestinians want to live under an apartheid regime and colonial regime. Amanda! Amanda! Viva! Thank you. So, we believe that we are going through difficult times. We believe that it looks like there is no light in the end of the tunnel. But there is always light in the end of the tunnel. And the only thing that we can do is to continue to struggle and to go forward to that light and to grab it and to change our reality. Because you know what? We don't have the luxury of coexistence with such a situation. There is no way to coexist with such racist apartheid regime, and there is no way that the Palestinian people in the occupied territories will continue to tolerate that situation. Many people would like to speak about Gaza today as a humanitarian issue. The situation in Gaza is horrible. I'm dealing almost every day in my work in the Knesset with the humanitarian situation in Gaza. But Gaza is not a humanitarian case. Gaza is part of the struggle of the Palestinian people for liberation. And without a political solution, without ending the occupation all over the Palestinian territories and creating an independent Palestinian state, there will not be any solution for Gaza. Neither economic solution or human solution, humanitarian solution, or giving them some money or giving them some opportunities of taking uh, a medical care inside the Israeli hospitals. Yes, it is the responsibility of occupation to deliver all of that. But this is not the solution. This is the responsibility of the occupier, but I I'm, I'm totally believe that the Palestinian people don't want that responsibility, don't want that uh, uh, taking care of the situation. They want to live in dignity and they want to live without occupation. That's the main issue. When I'm coming to speak to you, I'm coming uh, to speak to the people and to decision makers. For me, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to people. Our Palestinian experience has taught us that mainly we can rely on the people, more than the decision makers in many times. But we believe that it is the responsibility of the people 
who understand the situation, who feel in solidarity with us, and who believe that eventually it is better for all people, not only the Palestinians, not only the Palestinians and the Israelis, but for the whole region and the world to end this situation. We hope that you will continue not only to attend these uh, meetings, but to be part of a great solidarity movement that can push your decision makers and can ask for more clear position and actions taken to stop this policy. I might go back, I'm going back, not I might go back. I'm going back <laughs> on Sunday evening, but I might participate on Monday in the voting to make this government dissolved and to go. But for my regret, I don't have very good news for you because till now, what we see in the political map in Israel that the right wing will continue to control after the next elections. So it's a kind of a little bit longer battle that we should go through. And we wish that you will be beside us, campaigning, supporting, solidarating, so that we can continue toward the light in the end of the tunnel. Thank you. That was great. Thank you very much, Aida. And please allow me to echo Aida's voice and say, it's you people who can do the change. By joining Island Palestine Solidarity Campaign or any organization that supports the Palestinian people and call for justice, freedom, and equality for the Palestinian people, please do so. Please uh, help Francis Black Bell to go through, because it's a, a concrete action, concrete step towards justice and freedom and equality for the Palestinian people. Do whatever you can to raise awareness, join us, join any campaign, and uh, help the Palestinian voice uh, and help the Palestinians to get their freedom, justice, and equality. Um, a few announcements before I open the floor for questions and answers. Uh, on Wednesday, the 21st of uh, November, we have our branch meeting. Everybody's welcome uh, to that to help us discuss how can we do an, uh, an, uh, for events or for anything to help uh, the Palestinian cause and help us in IPSC to do these, uh, organize these events. Uh, Thursday, the 22nd of November, uh, there is a concert in Liberty Hall. Uh, we'll have Francis Black, uh, Donald Lunny, uh, Andy Irvine, and many more to uh, raise uh, money for Middle East Children uh, Alliance, MECA. So please get your tickets and attend. 
uh, we have, and Frances Black will talk about uh, her bell as well on that event. Uh, so whoever doesn't know or haven't uh, enough knowledge about it, please go join us and uh, hear it from her. It's at 8 p.m. Uh, Liberty Hall on the 22nd. Uh, tickets are 20 euro, I think. 20 euro. Uh, they can find them online or at the door. Wednesday our branch meeting at 7 p.m. in IPSC office. Uh, the address is Kevin. North Lot, 35 North Lot. So it's a new uh, address, and I, I don't know it. On the website. It's on our website, absolutely. Thursday, the 29th, it's International Solidarity Day with the Palestinian people. You and decide that day for International Solidarity Day. And usually, and it's uh, it's IPSC birthday as well. It will be the, our 17th uh, anniversary. And we usually have a cultural event around that uh, time. And everybody's welcome. Please come and join us for uh, music, uh, poetry reading, uh, food, Palestinian food, and uh, much more in the uh, Methodist Church, Abbey Street, at 7 p.m. on Thursday the 29th. Everybody's welcome. It's free. Uh, we have on Sunday the 9th of December, uh, the uh, IPSC uh, fundraising Christmas dinner. It's going to be in uh, Shakshuka restaurant in Rathmines. Uh, uh, places are limited to 50, so whoever would like to, to join us, please book online um, to IPSC info, please. Uh, we have the uh, this weekend, uh, what, that's why uh, our speaker is here in Ireland, uh, for uh, the global campaign against U.S.-NATO military uh, bases and its first international uh, conference against uh, U.S.-NATO military bases is going to be in Liberty Hall. Uh, starts tomorrow uh, from 7, Friday the 16th from 7, and then Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, our speaker, Aida, will speak on the Saturday afternoon, uh, I think. And we have our another speaker here, uh, Asad uh, Abu Sharf as well. Uh, Liberty Hall, Dublin, uh, this weekend. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, join us, please, IPSC. You have the membership there. Uh, and one more thing, sorry, the bucket. We have, you know, these things cost us money, and we are depending on the membership and donations. So if you don't mind, please, uh, if you have any donations, uh, the bucket will be there at the back with Martin, our treasurer. Uh, so please feel free to donate. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll open the floor for questions and answers. So if anybody has any questions for our speaker, yes? We'll take three questions and then uh, you'll answer them, Aida, and then so on. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, Aida, um, thank you very much for giving out that speech. It's a pleasure having you here. Um, my name is Tom Fryer. I'm a journalist, and um, I have a very active interest in the, in the Middle Eastern region myself. In Palestine, and uh, over the summer I heard about this um, this racist, appalling law, and I mean, um, just, uh, but, but really just, and, 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 like, and as you said, Joe, it got the support from, uh, you know, uh, you know, most right-wing Israelis. Um, but what about, like, 
take like the other parties as well, like the Labour Party and the, the Israel, like they were kind of, um, or Zionist parties. Well, did that, did it, was it also mainly Zionist parties, regardless of the left and right, or just? Mm. Okay. That, that's what I'm pretty much asking. Okay, anybody else would like to ask? Okay, Kevin, there. There first. Yeah, it follows on a bit from that question uh, there. I'd just like to know, what is your assessment of the Israeli left and liberal forces in the country? What has been the reaction of the trade, uh, trade union movement to this horrendous law being passed? Here, Kevin. Here's the next round. Um, just given the, the, given the apartheid nature of the state, what can you do in the Knesset? <laughs> <laughs> Having fun. Okay, go ahead, Ida. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, about, uh, and actually the two questions are almost uh, the same. Um, this law was passed by uh, the support of uh, 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 62 members of the parliament, 55 were against it, and uh, two abstained. So mainly the coalition, to make, okay, mainly the coalition has voted for this law. All those who are sitting in the opposition, including the uh, Labour Party, the uh, Yesh Atid, there's a future, uh, the joint list, uh, merits, have voted against it. But you have to take, uh, uh, to remember that this law was uh, first submitted to the Knesset in 2011. So it has been seven years going on and off to the Knesset. And it was submitted by someone who was sitting in Hatnua, the movement, which is Sipil's Livni uh, um, uh, party that is part of the Zionist camp today. Sipil Livni was the first to speak about recognition of the Jewish state. Someone reminded me that... Uh, 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 I, I was part of an initiative called IWC, International Women Commission uh, for Palestinian Israeli Just uh, Peace, that we met Tsipi Livni when she was uh, foreign minister. And I still remember the debate and almost fight that we had when she raised the issue of recognition of the Jewish state. Uh, so, what I'm trying to say is not all of those who voted against the law are totally rejecting the law. Some of them will live happily ever after with only an addition of one word of equality to the uh, law. And they will accept it as it is, because it is part also of their agenda. They think that the timing and the issue of lack of the word equality and democracy, and the fact that the law is de decreasing the uh, uh, um, position of the Arabic language from a, 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 an official language into a language of a special status that 
Of course, nobody can explain to us what does it mean, a language with a special status. So not all of those who are objecting are going to be our allies in the goal that we put for ourselves, which is abolishing this law. We are against this law. We are not going to tolerate it, and we do not accept it at all. We understand that part of them will leave us and accept any slight changes that will happen through the process. But from the beginning, being uh, 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 creating this possibility of a real debate about the definition of the state and the identity of the state is, we see it as a good opportunity to develop this discourse and this dialogue with those people. The trade unions are very silent. Nothing from their side about this law. I just was informed uh, two hours ago that a courageous woman heading the uh, social workers trade union is bringing this issue next week, the uh, nation state law, for a debate inside the organization. But the Histad route, the general trade union, is ignoring the issue totally and don't want to relate to it. Uh, this is uh, the situation. As to what we have to do in the Knesset, to fight. That's what we are doing. We don't see the Knesset as the ultimate goal and the only arena that we can struggle in. But we still believe that it is not time to neglect this arena. It should be combined, and it is combined with uh, 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 more, uh, let's say, uh, you say popular uh, struggle with people going out, uh, fighting for their rights, organizing our people, organizing the Jewish and democratic forces alongside with the Palestinian citizens of Israel, the anti-war, uh, anti-occupation <coughs> organizations with us. But this is not instead of being in the Knesset. We still believe, and you know what? We have constituency that want us also to try to serve and to uh, uh, try to uh, legislate and to change a little bit of the reality. And deciding now to leave, it is as if declaring that we don't have any hope to change this majority that is existing now in the Knesset. I'm not saying we are going to rule. For sure not. Not through my life, at least, I think. But we can change this very uh, 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 fascist groups that are existing in the coalition, and we should have the hope. Otherwise, if you don't have a hope, to stop to struggle. This is what I believe. What is driving me to struggle is the hope and the confidence that we are able to change the reality at a certain time. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> and the greatest changes that happened in the world, usually if you would visit that country, if you had visited South Africa, 
one month before the collapse of the apartheid regime, you wouldn't even think that it was, would happen. So I'm, I'm always looking for that last month when I see the world changing. Welcome. Another announcement I have to say just before the questions. Yeah, uh, we have uh, solidarity items. We have ceramics from Hebron and uh, table solidarity items there for anybody. They're really nice for Christmas gifts. We have the calendar as well. Uh, okay, see uh, another round of see. You you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I'd just like to get your opinion on uh, Hamas, which is the government elected by the Palestinian people in the Gaza Strip in 2007. Their rocket attacks and suicide bombings on Israeli civilians and uh, soldiers, and their oppressive regime in the Gaza Strip. So I'd just like to get your opinion on that. Okay, here. Kevin, you, you want to question? This one here. Uh, thank you. Um, what's your uh, perspective on uh, tactics and strategy in the Trump administration at this point, and how do you assess that? Has it changed in U.S. policy? What's their aims? Uh, anything you can give uh, 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 analysis about that? Can the of the Trump administration. Is Trump, it, okay. Yeah, what's, their, what's their strategy, and what's your analysis of, uh, about their strategy and their tactics? Hello, thank you for your uh, uh, powerful speech. Really, uh, I'm, it blew me away. Thanks a million. Um, just on, on the last note, the light at the end of the tunnel, um, like in this country 100 years ago, there was an apartheid state created here, um, a Protestant state for the Protestant people. And uh, today, uh, we have the British Prime Minister going public and talking about the borders of the past. So uh, we never know when we're in that last month. You know, uh, <laughs> so you know, we we we'll keep support you know until that month arrives. Oh, uh, May arrive sooner rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, about Hamas, um, I think you can uh, uh, realize and understand. Well, I could at least know what your position from your question, but uh, I, I think you already figured out what kind of values and what kind of uh, uh, strategies in the struggle I believe in from my speech. Uh, Hamas is not an organization that I will be part of but it is an organization that is existing among the Palestinian people in general and is participating in the struggle against the occupation in their way. It is by the international law that all the people have the right to fight for uh, uh, liberation and to choose the ways they fight for. I'm not now going to evaluate as long as they are part of the whole movement of the Palestinian people and they are representing the people who are supporting them. 
inside the Palestinians. I am a secular person, even an atheist person. I am a, a feminist. I'm a communist. I'm uh, on the opposite side of the political map, and I choose my ways of uh, struggle. I believe that the continuing situation of division among the Palestinian people is harming the Palestinian struggle and is given as a total gift to the Israeli occupation and to the right-wing government in Israel that is dedicating a lot of effort to deepen that division and to use it and to invest in it because it is working very good to them. Uh, uh, continuous occupation. And we are calling day and night our people to unite again and to go back to work together in order to reach the uh, national goals of the Palestinian people. And when the Palestinian people will have their own state and will have normal democratic elections, they will choose who will be representing them and what kind of a state they will have. I almost forgot Trump, you see. It's, uh, it's impossible, but anyway. Uh, I never believed that the American administration, any administration, was a neutral partner or a neutral, uh, how you call, um, auspice broker. of... Um, broker. Broker. Broker of the, okay. Uh, broker of the uh, uh, Palestinian-Israeli issue. And uh, Trump made it very bluntly now, very clear. He says what he thinks and what he is doing in a very vulgar way, in a way that is uh, uh, um, stepping over everything that we knew till now. The international order, the international law, they are saying very clearly, either you support us or we will not give you money, we, very clearly. So at least now you know what you get. Now you know with whom you are dealing. I think he is leading to a total deterioration in the uh, global situation and especially in the Middle East. Uh, uh, this administration is using all of its power to open doors very clearly and very openly in the Arab world for Israel under the claim of creating a new alliance against Iranian danger in the Middle East. Uh, and shifting the attention from the real problem that is existing and is going to affect and is affecting the whole situation in the region, the Palestinian issue, and the continuation of the uh, Israeli occupation. Shifting the attention from there, creating another danger, or talking about another danger, where it is becoming very legitimate to have Netanyahu visiting Oman, 
and Miri Regev visiting Abu Dhabi. Uh, those relations are given to the Israeli right-wing government who want to keep the status quo, which is continuous occupation and settlements, because it, it is known that the right-wing governments in Israel always believed, you know, uh, if we are talking about left and right in Israel, which is, I always say, what is left from the left, or what is called left, because I don't believe that what you have in your mind is a real left, the Zionist parties, but at least they are different from the right wing in one thing. The left, the so-called left, believe that they need to solve the issue with the Palestinians, and then they can have peace in the region. They can have normalization with the Arab countries. The right wing believe we need to get normalization with the Arab world so that everybody forget about the Palestinian issue. Either we solve it the way we want, and they will help us to put pressure on the Palestinians, or we will keep it the way it is and nobody will care. This is a totally different approach. Trump today is helping very much Netanyahu to continue with this approach. In my opinion, Netanyahu, uh, Trump, more than he wants to deliver the big deal, he likes to speak about it more. I'm not sure there will be any kind of a deal. The deal is created on the ground. The deal is moving the uh, uh, Jerusalem, uh, uh, the uh, embassy. The deal is the Jewish nation state. The deal is opening the doors to the Arab world. This is the deal that is created. Thank you very much for the very powerful explanation of the situation. And Gaza, especially, you put it as a, not only a humanitarian, just as the symptom of the deep political, but surprisingly, the last round of uh, fighting <coughs> in Gaza, or whatever you call it. It has a low key in the international news. The Egyptian jumped immediately to cool down the situation, although it looks it's not small. Uh, things happen because of the resignation of the war minister in Israel. How do you look the long term or immediate term implication on the Middle East, uh, the whole Middle East situation, and you put the visits and all these things in context? Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. Um, one of the things that frustrates me when you talk to people about the situation in Palestine, it's like it's so horrific what the Israelis are doing that they can't really hear it and they, they say things like, there's lots of really good Israelis who are supporting the Palestinians. So I want to ask you of your assessment, not in the Knesset, but in general, uh, how do you see Israeli support for the Palestinian for, for the ending of the occupation and some kind of a deal <coughs> within Israeli society. Thank you. Yeah, uh, very good, very good speech. Uh, great to listen to you. Uh, welcome to Ireland. Um, 
Just in relation to, can I just make a quick comment in relation to, to there's a gentleman over there who mentioned our friend in the, what's known as the six counties of our island, who, who once said, this is a Protestant state for Protestant people. Um, I think this it, it touches on part of the reason why the Irish people can empathize so much with your situation. We're an ex-colony on this part of the island. We had a, a Mr. Ian Baisley, who said, said all sorts of awful things about Catholics breeding like rabbits and stuff like that. And he uh, declared the, the state of Northern Ireland to be an, a Protestant state for our Protestant people. Um, that state got its majority because of ethnic cleansing in the 1600s it began, which is very, very similar to the way the state of Israel was created. Uh, so we have an empathy, which, and it's, it's strange that Mr. Paisley's um, bedfellows in the um, Bible Belt in America, the uh, evangelicals, uh, would, uh, are the main support for Israel in the States, which is the sponsor of the current situation in the United States. So there's a lot of analogies. We had a, a foreign powerful backer for this regime in, in Ireland, and you have a powerful foreign backer in the United States. But if I could just ask the question, sorry, just my little speech, but um, if I could just ask the question. You mentioned the, 20, the unity in 2014. Uh, I'd just like to know if you agree with this. In 2014, the, there was almost a unity of um, a unity government formed. And a lot of people think that the attack on Gaza, the disgraceful massacre that happened in 2014 was to stop this happening because the states were beginning to intimate that they would talk to this unity government and uh, the Israelis decided to, to attack Gaza to stop this happening. Do you think that's true? Okay. Uh. I would uh, start with a, a question about the Israelis. If you noticed all my speech, I, I didn't and I never speak about Israelis. I speak about governments. I speak about policies and I, the structure of power that is existing in Israel. I truly believe that all people all over the world, eventually, if you uh, uh, talk to them, want the same thing. They want to live peacefully, they want to raise their children, they want to have a normal life. That we witnessed right when the agreements were signed between the Palestinians and uh, uh, Israel. Uh, just again, two months before, everybody, if you ask in the Israeli society were uh, uh, saying awful things because of the intifada at that time and because they were fed with fears. And right after the agreement, everybody was supportive of the agreement. Not everybody, but the majority, okay? Till today, if you ask, and there are researches done continuously about the general public opinion about uh, the uh, occupation. Uh, usually, the support for the two-state solution is still in majority. It's 50, 
six last time, 56% of the uh, Israelis and of the Palestinians. So I never talk about the Israelis as the people, because I believe that the people are incited by the leadership. The people are fed with fear and horror, and all the time talking about the terror, uh, uh, terroristic side, and that can be changed. And the minute they will see that there is a hope to create a different situation, they will change. That's what I believe in. Uh, about Gaza and Lieberman. Lieberman resigned because uh, he says uh, that he was not allowed to do the war he wanted to do. Uh, because uh, he wanted to launch a war after the... Uh, we, we keep forgetting that what happened in the last week started because there was a military action yes. taken by Israeli uh, unit, that uh, army unit that entered to Gaza. Till now, nobody knows why. And uh, happened what happened. The uh, uh, Gaza people, the Hamas, or I don't know who, uh, fought back and saw that there is uh, a unit of the occupation army, and they fought back. That's what that started everything uh, in the last week. Nobody know what was the purpose of that entrance, and probably we will not know in the next few uh, days or weeks. Uh, but Lieberman, uh, uh, I think his uh, resignation is more a political action because he understand that he was always threatening, 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 and saying, if I will be the Minister of Defense, I will crash them down, I will uh, uh, liquidate the power of Hamas, etc., etc. And he understand that in his way of thinking, he did not deliver. And the people do not believe him anymore. So he needed to go out to the public, especially that everybody back home is smelling the election already. He needed to go out and to say, I wanted to conquer. I wanted to uh, do the war, and Netanyahu did not let me do it. That was the resignation. I don't believe that it is because of uh, uh, losing the battle. I don't think so. Uh, which do not undermine what happened. I'm not undermining what happened, but I think this is what, what made uh, uh, Lieberman do that. He knows he's coming to an election, and he knows that he is losing power. And you know what? The next day, there was a, um, a, a poll made to examine what is the situation uh, on the political map, you immediately saw how the Likud went down and Lieberman went up in votes. So um, it's more tactics than it is a real uh, uh, um, I don't know or a real uh, like uh, uh, understanding or consequences of what happened. 
What was the third one? Ah, yeah. I, I mentioned in the beginning that we believe that uh, it is the best interest of the occupation uh, uh, government to deepen the uh, uh, division among the Palestinians and to avoid any kind of uh, 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 bridging the gap between the two sides and uh, bringing to a unity where the Palestinian people are united. Because as long as they are divided, it's the good alibi for uh, the Israeli government because they will say, well, uh, with whom we should negotiate, with whom we should sign any agreement. Is it with Hamas or is it with uh, Abu Mazen? And both of them are not controlling the whole people. So with whom we should be uh, uh, talking? And uh, I do not... Uh, and that was one of the analyses of why that war was launched at that point. Uh, and I believe that, yeah, it might be one of the reasons. But of course, war always have political uh, 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 goals more than military uh, goals. The military goals are coming to serve the political goals that create the war. And that can be, uh, and, and I believe, yes, it was one of them. Okay, another round of questions. Uh, third, and that, and that, three. For the next round. One more round. Yeah. One more after this round, and then, yeah, for the next round, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, no, I, I just want to come back to one of the points you were making earlier in relation to the two state solution. Um, I mean, my read of what's happening in the Middle East at the moment is that the Zionist state is creating facts in the ground. Uh, it's creating the settlements, it's creating the wall, it's bringing in this legislation, all of which are against the idea of a two-state solution. And does that not raise the question, is the two-state solution the way forward? Um, as opposed to the single state, which is a secular state, which allows everyone to live in. Uh, that, that, you know, e even even the, the possibility of a Palestinian state within those kind of crazy borders, I've always had doubts, but I just think increasingly that the two-state solution, I, I question, and just to see what your comment is in relation to that. Hello. Sorry for my bad English. Uh, yeah, I'm from Italy. Um, yeah, uh, I have, you know, I raised in a city that was quite racist, you know, and the word coexist was so hard. And it's going to be hard for the Palestinian because to coexist is very, very, it's, it's a, a very important thing. Will be prepared a Palestinian in the future in case to take back his own country to coexist with the other religions once again? Because I study history, and in that region, centuries ago, used to be called Dar es Salaam, the house of the peace, where the three religions used to coexist. So you, I heard communism, a bit of Trump, capitalism, and stuff like that. Will, in the future, that region be again the house of peace?
Hello. Um, uh, I think the, 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 it seems like what you're sorry, what you're saying um, about the, um, the the reasons for the attack. It seems that it's showing that, that the Great March of Return is very effective uh, with the peaceful protest. That's probably the thing they fear the most because uh, all around the world there's no way to dismiss it. So uh, they're desperately trying to provoke the Hamas leadership to uh, try and, you know, we're losing ground, we're not representing our, the people, so we'll have to do an attack even though it's completely futile. But it, it does completely just serve the Israel. That was exactly what they wanted. They wanted an attack, and that way they, it's two sides of an argument. And it, there's a war. Uh, but if, if the, the Great March of Return is, is very effective, I think. And, um, uh, so, yeah, like, I, I would hope that, that, that they, they, they can unify the, the, the Hamas and uh, Fatwa and, and just the people of Palestine, Palestine with that. Um, it, it, that, it, that is a good idea and should keep doing, trying to do that. And that the, the peaceful pro but I mean, the peaceful protests, they're just shooting them and it, 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 it doesn't seem to. But Europe really has to do something anyway if America's not going to anyway. Yeah. Over here. There was three, yeah? Yeah, there was three, yeah. Uh, well, as to uh, march of return and peaceful um, um, actions, um, I think that, uh, uh, yes, uh, March of return, return for many months uh, has been uh, uh, making a big challenge uh, for uh, the Israeli army and the Israeli government because it is citizens who are protesting on their side of the land and inside Gaza. And uh, the massacres that were committed in the beginning uh, that they thought, uh, you know, in the first few weeks there were real massacres that uh, uh, were meant to make people afraid to come next week and next day to the borders and to continue the march. Uh, and it did it. And people continue to come. And uh, usually it is uh, known uh, that uh, uh, things can escalate and can deteriorate. In the last few uh, weeks, I think it's becoming uh, uh, a little bit out of control uh, because people are uh, uh, feeling that they don't have anything to lose more. And uh, this is a very, in my opinion, very dangerous situation when people start to believe that there is nothing to lose and uh, they are willing to sacrifice everything and mainly that everything is their own lives. Uh, as to the, uh, to, uh, and of course, you know, I'm not the one to decide how, how it's going to be, be peaceful, a struggle or not. I'm not the person to decide about this. And uh, things sometimes, even if they start as peaceful, can continue in a different way. It depends totally how the other side is reacting. And in the last weeks, uh, uh, and months, we saw that also the Israeli side uh, is paying a kind of price of the policy that is committed by the uh, Israeli army. Uh, but for my regret, Yanni, um, in the last 
two days, there were demonstrations by the Israelis who are living in the border, uh, near the border uh, of Gaza, asking the government to start a war. I mean, usually people demonstrate against the war. This is how I know it. Not demonstrating, demanding uh, a war. And this is, that's why I'm saying it's the escalation, you never anticipate how things can be uh, done. And that's part of why also Lieberman resigned. Because he, uh, uh, the people were, the Israeli people were uh, showing unsatisfaction of the amount of killing that happened till now. Uh, for my regret. Two uh, state solutions. Um, I wish we are, were talking about the one uh, secular democratic uh, state. If the other, if I had to choose, and I know both are available, uh, for sure I will go for the one state solution. Democratic, secular, uh, equal, you know. But this is not the reality. The reality today is choosing between the two-state solution and the existed one-state apartheid regime that is existing. This is the reality. As much as we see the two-state solution fading out, it is still the more viable solution in my opinion. Even for the idea that when you quit the two-state solution, you are surrounding, in my opinion, to the occupier's vision. Because we are not talking these days, when we say two-state solution, we are not talking about creating two states. There is one state, very powerful, that is existing. We are talking about the right of self-determination and the creation and the implementation of the Palestinian desire to have a state. That's what we are talking about when we are talking about a, a, a two-state solution. When we are quitting this, we are quitting the right of self-determination of the Palestinian, or at least, you know what, the national existing project, the Palestinian national existing project. Meanwhile, the Palestinian people are still demanding this. And we should support them. You should support them on that. We, I mean, I'm part of the Palestinian people. If we are talking about the one-state solution, we are legalizing the settlements that are, as we said from the beginning, illegal. Because if this is the whole land will be one state, there is no reason to move, to move or to dismantle or to evacuate any settlement. They will be the citizens of the newly born one state and they will continue to exist. So you need to deal then with the fact that they are built on a Palestinian land, that, that the people, the owners, are still there. What are you going to do with that? 
you will legalize the settlements and what will be done with those who were deprived of their uh, land. Uh, we, you are also agreeing to the uh, 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 fact that the whole Palestinian struggle will move from a national liberation struggle into a civil right struggle, and it will be a struggle of what used to be called one man, one vote, and uh, as a feminist, I would say one woman, one vote. So, uh, so, with the current powers that are existing, with the power balance that is existing in the region and in the world, who's going to guarantee that the Israeli governments will willingly uh, quit the idea of a Jewish state and suddenly become so, uh, you know, um, open-minded and say, let's live happily after all of us together in the one secular state and forget about the Jewish state or the democracy in, in Israel. I think this is a kind of creating a new struggle that might continue for tens of years uh, to come in order to wait to change the balance. And another one point, by raising, by, by emphasizing the one state, I think this can be used also by the Israeli government saying that, or shifting the attention from people who are living under occupation to again there is a threat on Israel and a question mark on the existence of Israel. I think there is no question mark on the existence of Israel. Israel is existing, Israel is powerful, Israel is there, and we should focus on the right of the Palestinians also to have a strong democratic state. Yes. I think we should do is what you international people should do is support the Palestinian call whatever they want, it's up to the Palestinians to decide, it's just for you to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people, let them know that there are people there who are standing with them helping them and listening to them to end the injustice uh, by the Israeli state. I don't think you should bother. I know it's, it's a thing you people not, would like to know, which is it's one state, two states, but I don't think you just concern about the people, what they uh, call. And one of the very important things that uh, the Palestinian civil society calls is boycott, divestment, and sanction. Follow this, like the, what happened in South Africa, ending the apartheid regime. Uh, the Irish people, the international uh, solidarity movement all around the world, and you people can lead uh, that uh, movement and help follow the civil society Palestinian call by uh, boycott, divestment, and sanction Israel. Uh, we'll go, we'll take the, the last round of questions. Make them quick, please. Okay, so, so the, there and there. Here? Uh, hi, uh, my name is Adnan. I'm from Pakistan. <laughs> anyway, my main question is, uh, what about the countries around 
uh, Palestinian territory, especially Egypt and Jordan, uh, are they uh, helping a bit or they're just uh, like all of the countries just sitting around and watching what's happening there? Okay. And uh, I'm there. Sorry. So, okay. Is that okay? Can you give it to him? Okay, please. Uh, okay. And so, I Okay. Thank you very much for a great speech and so much information. Just a couple of points. What's your view on the the relationship between the EU and Israel, in particular reference to the assistance the EU gives to Israel? And then, just following on a previous point speakers made about sort of the a civil rights movement approach, is there any possibility of that happening in the West Bank? Because it struck me that in the Gaza, it was very, very successful because it showed up the impotence of the Israelis to deal with non-violent protest movements. Because I have heard from the previous uh, speaker, Shavon from al Haq, he said that a lot of the people that were shot were about 500 meters from the fence. And an awful lot of the injured people were obviously lower, lower bodies, you know, cyclists from afar. Okay, well, thank you. So, is there a question? No. Uh, yeah, just, um, I, I think that the, the kind of, thank you for your brilliant articulation, um, that the bravery of the people in Gaza is something that has got through even the, the media blackout of coverage of Palestine, that people are aware of uh, the bravery and courage of the, of the Palestinian people and their uh, refusal to be defeated. Um, I suppose my question is around that issue of the morale of um, the P Palestinian people and um, how aware they are of what we are doing, however small it is, and up against forces such as Trump and the EU Med deal and all of that. Uh, in terms of the kind of state forces um, in the worldwide community, but in terms of what the solidarity movement is doing, is it having an impact? Do people know? Um, and, and what can we do to, to make our work more valuable? Thank you. Well, I, um, I just wanted to relate in two sentences to the young man who asked about Dar es Salaam. I think he left already. Um, I just wanted to say that um, our problems are not religious problems, are not a conflict between religions. And whoever is taking it to that path is convicting us for a long-term uh, eternal uh, uh, conflict. And this is not the issue. It's political, it's... Uh, 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 and it is not an issue between uh, the religions. Uh, as to the EU and uh, Israel, um, we have been uh, saying very clearly that uh, the association agreement and the upgrading that was made to Israel through those agreements uh, has been uh, quite a help, not only economically, but also uh, politically uh, for this government and the other governments before. Uh, it's a little bit uh, uh, 
Uh, we were in uh, speaking tour in uh, last November and in uh, um, in uh, beginning of September uh, this year uh, on the nation state law, and we said it very clearly. Article two in the association agreement is talking about the respect and the um, um, protection of human rights which is an obligation made by those who signed the agreement, meaning the Israeli government. And we asked the EU to hold Israel accountable for what was signed on. I mean, it is not a condition that we ask the EU to put. It's the standards of the EU that was created for the EU, and they asked their partners to obligate themselves. But there is no mechanism to follow up or to examine. And you know what? In the Israeli case, they don't need to examine anything. It's out there. Everybody know about the violations of the human rights and the civil rights. And they only need to use what they wrote as articles in this association agreement. And they are not doing it. And of course, we heard about the balance uh, of power inside the EU, and that Europe is not anymore what we had in our minds about Europe, and that there are more and more alliances built with Israel through different governments that are right-wing governments in Europe. And we know about this. But if you are asking what can be done by the Solidarity Movement. This is one thing to be done by the Solidarity Movement in Europe. Calling your politicians, talking to your politicians, uh, having different campaigns around the issue, and trying to lead to a situation to hold Israel accountable. This is what we are asking for. We want the obligation to the international law and to the human values that we all should be. Uh, does uh, people in the um, uh, West Bank, or is it possible that the people in the West Bank uh, start also a kind of a, a civil movement and a, 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 a more clear uh, actions uh, uh, like it is done in, in Gaza? I will not claim that I'm talking in the name of the people, uh, of the Palestinian people in the West Bank, but you can feel whenever you are visiting that I'm talking to people that it's a mixture between uh, lack of hope and a lot of stress. Yeah. And I think both of those feelings can explode any minute. This is what you have. This is what you feel. Because also the oppressive measures, oppressing measures committed by the Israeli government is, is escalating. It's escalating the detainees of the young children, the uh, uh, entering the West Bank every day by the army every night. Uh, 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 arresting people, uh, um, humiliating, demolishing houses, that is happening, uh, confiscating of lands and 
enlargement of settlements, abuse and violent terrorist actions by the settlers. It's an everyday issue in the West Bank. So in my opinion, this kind of combination is a good fuel for any blow-up of opposition uh, uprising. And again, you never know when it can happen. It's the, but you can feel that the situation is not calm the way it looks. It's, how you say, boiling underneath, and, and yeah, and you can feel it. Um, do they know about the solidarity movement and the actions? Uh, I know that a lot of solidarity groups come and visit um, and talk to people. Uh, I think that uh, those who are uh, active politically and have connections will follow up um, how the solidarity movement in different places in the world is acting. Uh, but uh, as you know, uh, mainstream media is, is not bringing your voices very clear. And I think this is part of what should be developed through the time, is because this is what can keep the Palestinians hoping that the change will happen, to see that they have solidarity all over the world, and they are not isolated. Because part of the problem is that the Palestinian people do not have any confidence anymore in the international uh, uh, community or organizations that will really do a change. Because, you know, whenever I'm mentioning any of the resolutions, people <coughs> immediately have this cynical uh, uh, laugh uh, and saying, oh yeah, and what else? We have as much as you want resolutions, we want actions. We want to see something happening. That's why, for example, the position taken by the EU on Khan al-Ahmar is very important and gave some hope uh, uh, that suddenly there is someone who's standing on, uh, up and saying enough is enough and we are not going to tolerate it. And it is postponing, meanwhile, the demolition, which is bringing again hope to the people that if actions are made, uh, uh, things can uh, happen. And I think it's a message that should be delivered to your politicians very clearly. Thank you. BDS, 